Genesis 12. And we are going to begin our series on Abraham, and I am really excited about this. You know, I, I thought it would be good, you know, it's always good to talk about the Bible, to study it and all those things, but I wasn't really sure how much and in what way I would enjoy it, but in preparing for this message, I really came to appreciate at least this portion of Scripture tremendously and what it means to us as believers. Um, and in, and in, in saying something about um, Abraham, there are very few people, um, Jesus Christ is included in this, but there are very few people that are as influential to human history than Abraham. I mean, three different major religions, basically the, the three the, the three most influential or powerful religions throughout human history, all three trace their, their father, so to speak, back to Abraham. And Abraham, if, if you want to study culture, if you want to un- understand religion, if you want to understand society, you have to understand Abraham, who he is, and what the Bible has to say about him. Um, and in talking about Abraham tonight specifically, what I'd like to do is we could examine the, um, was the, the implications, the results, the, the effects that Abraham has on us today and, and the gospel and, and the, the prophecies that, that Abraham was given and the promises that God made to Abraham and how the covenant is being fulfilled in us and all these different things. We could talk about all those things, but I'd really like to just look at Abraham from a very personal uh, perspective tonight as in looking at Abraham as if he were an actual individual you know, a lot of times for us as people, especially if you were raised in church or at least you, you know, had knowledge of what church culture is, when we hear Abraham, we think of, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. We think of, about the Father Abraham song. We think about those felt guys. I forget whatever you call that system of putting the felt people on the board or whatever. What is that called? Flannel graph. Yeah, that stuff. You know, you think about the flannel graph guy with the beard. And, it, you know, one day he's Abraham, the next day he's Moses, and he just changes from, you know, story to story. Now it's Daniel. So yeah, that's what we think, this guy with a beard that was always this, like, spiritual giant who, who you know, we, we think of Abraham through those, those rose-colored lenses, so to speak. Um, but Abraham was a real person. And Abraham had a lot of life in front of him before he was converted, before he chose to answer the call that God had given to him. And, I, I, you know, it's hard for us as, as human beings to relate to someone who isn't a real person. You know what I mean? We can't, you know, when we think of Noah as the guy, you know, that, that goes in the art, it's, it's hard for us to relate to those people. But these were actual individuals who lived real lives. They faced real circumstances. They had real challenges and trials. Um, and they, they had real emotions and real feelings. And I want to look at Abraham as, as that kind of person Tonight, um, the Bible, the stories in the Bible, really they always begin with the voice of God. We look in creation, in the beginning God created, and it talks about how God created everything with his voice. God initiated that. God is always the one who's calling out to us. we, We do not, in our humanity and in reality, we do not reach out. I mean, we are reaching for something, but we are in and of ourselves incapable of reaching out to God. And in this story, we have God calling out to Abraham. In verse, I'll read the portion of scripture, we'll pray, and then we'll continue. But uh, Genesis 12 and verse number one, now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Verse number four. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and, and they went forth 
to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed, I will, will I give this land? And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Let's pray together. God, you're the, you're the God who calls out to, to us. Or do you call us out of our desperation and hopelessness to live a life of peace and hope? And God, we, we praise you for what you've done for us in sending Jesus on the cross. God, you, you fulfilled every promise that we read and we'll continue to fill every promise that we read in your word. And Lord, we know that you're true and tonight, we pray that you'd help us to live the truth, to believe it, to allow it to inform our lifestyle and the way that we live. God, will we prioritize our relationships with you above anything else? Will we forsake idols and choose to worship you with everything that we have, even during this time as we hear your word proclaimed? We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about calling the call of God. Um, we, if you're a child of God, I, let, me, let me preface this. If you're a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ through a personal relationship with him, then you have been called by God as well. Two specific things. And I want to, before we talk about, you know, I'm, <laughs> I got eight points tonight. Don't, don't kill me. I'll, I'll try to get through them quickly. But uh, I wanted to, to talk about some specific things, the things that I think this passage really, uh, the way in which it applies to us. But before we can do that, I want us to understand what the call of God is and kind of define our terms, um, if you will. So uh, the, first few, the first few points that we have here are going to be kind of a definition of the call of God. Uh, not so much a definition so much as a description um, of the call of God. But I want to look first so we understand that the call of God is for us today, that we, as believers, if you know Jesus, you have been called. If you would turn with me to Romans, the book of Romans, it's going to be on the screen, I think. But we're going to start just for context in verse number one. Really what we want to get to is in the, uh, the last few verses of this little section here in verses six and seven. But for context, let's start in verse number one. We'll read and then I just want to make some points from here. Paul, a servant of Jesus, though so the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Rome, right, and in verse number one of, of Romans chapter one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So he's saying, I'm writing to you guys about, basically about the gospel, about who Jesus is and how it affects us today. And he's, he gives some, you know, Jesus, who's our Lord, he was made of the seed of David, declared to be the son of God with power. And then verse number five, by whom, so by Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship for, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom are ye also the called of jesus christ to all that be in rome beloved of god called to be saints or separate set apart ones holy ones grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ if you're a christian you have been called right called and what basically what there's I mean, it means the same thing in English, what it, what it meant in the Greek and, and in the Hebrew. It means to be called, for someone to call you out from something to something. As in you are being challenged or exhorted to do, it, you're basically, 
being given a responsibility. A responsibility. And the, the call of God, uh, is, it, 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 it's, it's a call to action. I mean, among whom are you also? He's, he's talking about the nations and how there needs to be this obedience, or everyone basically needs to come under the authority of Jesus. That's what he's talking about in the first. He, the gospel, the plan of the gospel is for all nations to be under the authority of Jesus. And he says, among whom? So you are the called. He's basically saying, you have been called to make this happen. This is, you're a part of this program in Romans. And then he says, called to be saints or set apart ones. And saint is not necessarily, it's not like a, 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 a Catholic superhero Christian. That's, that's not what a saint is. A saint is a set apart one. Someone who is living differently. Someone whose life reflects difference. They've been transformed, right? And, and we're supposed to reflect that. So it's a call to action. And we're going to look at some different ways in which we are, we are called as believers. And we're going to um, kind of um, contrast or compare with Abram here in this passage. So first of all, point number one, the call of God is a call to transformation. A call to transformation. He says, get thee to Abram, God says, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. Um, just a little bit, I, I want to give the idea that Abram actually was a human being who lived a life, he had family, he knew people, he lived in a certain culture. The, the place where he lived was known for, or Ur, you are Ur, it was known for moon worship like worshiping the, the actual, like the lunar celestial body. That's what I'm talking about. M worshiping the moon. That's what they would do there. So he lived in a place that worshiped idols. In fact, Abram, you see his genealogy here. He was basically the, the last line that, that could have or did know about Jehovah. Right? The, the, the last of the quote-unquote godly line, they're not really godly because they're worshiping idols here in, in, in their life. But Abram was called to, to come out of what he had known as a, as, as a human being, his normal uh, way of living life, his lifestyle. He was called out of that to live something different. He was called to, to, to cut off his connections with his country or his, his, his nation. I mean, where do, in our country, or we could say country, or just our culture, where we live at, what, what do people worship? I would say probably the biggest idol in America, I would say, is materialism. Live, you know, in, our, in our free market society, it's very easy to be materialistic because the materialism is basically the engine that runs our economy. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing from one perspective, but on the other hand, it, it's very easy for us to be materialistic and for that, for that materialism to be the engine that runs our lives as well. But as believers, we are called, this is just for example, we are called out of that to transform, like Pastor Phil talked about this morning, not to conform to something, but to allow the Holy Spirit to change us, to go from living that materialistic, idolatrous life to living one of worshiping the, the one true God, Jehovah. And Abram was called out of that as well. But the thing about Abram, or Abraham, it's, when I say Abram, it's the same guy. His name was later changed to Abraham. Abram did not obey immediately. He did, he did not obey immediately. And there's some debate on this with commentators, and they say, well, he kind of waited to cut off ties with his family until, it was an, until his dad died, and it was an honorable thing to do, et cetera, et cetera. But I just see God says, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, Period. He doesn't say when, you know, at the right time, when it becomes um, convenient, when it becomes socially acceptable for you to do. He doesn't say any of that. He says do it, and Abram doesn't do it. And th to me, that's, that's, that's disobedience. And he starts to do it little by little. You, you can see he kind of, he, he, when he had gotten out of Canaan, it says that he, um, he, he went into Haran. All right, and so he's little by little, he's making choices to surrender things to God. And I want to make it very clear that God's call doesn't change for our disobedience. 
What I mean is, when we disobey God, it's sin. It's disobedience. Did Jesus die on the cross for that sin? Yes, he did. That's paid for. But, but, but God, God's call doesn't change, but his grace meets us where we are. And, and Pastor Phil and I and, and others, at the, at, you know, when speaking and teaching, what, I, what we like to say is God's, uh, God's call following Jesus, it's not about perfection so much as it's about direction. Throughout Abram's life, he made mistakes. I mean, we'll go through his life and we'll see how, I mean, he lied. You know, he, he, he lied all the time. He, he, he cheated. I mean, he, he committed adultery, all sorts of things. He, he, he distrusted God. He, he decided to do things his own way. He was going to make God's promises fulfill themselves rather than allowing God to do it. He did all sorts of things um, and made a lot of mistakes. But at the end of the day, the New Testament says that Abram was, was a friend of God. That, that, that Abraham, though he made mistakes, the Bible says that he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. God's call doesn't change when we, when we mess up, but his grace meets us where we are and we, we struggle in the same way. And we'll talk more about this as we go on. But the call of God is about transformation, first of, first of all. Second of all, it's the call to worship. The call to worship. Um, Abram worshiped God. I mean, when he, when he gets into Bethel there, it, and Bethel is known throughout the rest of the, the Old Testament, it's, it's a place where people would go to worship God because Abraham worshiped God here. And it's, the, the Bible says in verse number eight, and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord, which is like a euphemism for worshiping God. We call upon the name of the Lord. That's like a euphemism for saying you, you, you personally worshiped God. And Abram understood that a life that God calls us to, it's not just calling yourself a Christian. It's not just, you know, following a list of rules or whatever. It, it is a life of personally worshiping God, spending time, devoting time to actually being in the presence of God and singing his praises, reading his word, asking him to speak to you, praying to him. This, this was the life that Abram understood God had called him to, and it's the life that God calls us to as well. Uh, the Christian life is not a call just to put a bumper sticker on the back of your car or to not say certain words and not watch certain... And all those things are good. Like I said, we're called to holiness. We're called to be separate and different. Those, are, those, are, those might be good things for you. But at the end of the day... That's not what it's about. What it's about is, is worship, giving God that which he is worthy of. And God makes it very clear in the Bible that he is worthy of personal devotion to him. And what, when I say personal devotion, I'm talking about actually spending time with God. That's, that's what Abram did. He spent time with God. And as believers, we must understand that if, if you want to follow Jesus, and I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm happy that you do, if you do. I, if you actually want to follow Jesus and live for him, the life that he's called us to is a life of worshiping God and understanding that my, my life is not my own. My time is now God's. And he is worthy of everything that we had. Um, worship, and I've said this before, but worship is literally worth-ship. It's giving that God that which he is worthy of because of who he is, right? So worth Ship is what worship is, and Abram was called to give up everything, right? He says, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. Abram had it going pretty good. And in, especially, you know, in our, in our cultural context, I'm going to get this stuff out of my pocket. This bothers me. I'm sorry. It's a distraction to me. Um, in our cultural context, independence and going off and moving away from your family, that's a common thing. You know, we, you know sometimes that's applauded. You know, in some, some areas of the country or whatever, some cultures, 
within our with some subcultures that should that's applied. You know, you're 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 doing it. You're um, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. You're figuring out things for yourself, and we apply that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But in this culture, you didn't do that. In fact, you know, in Jesus's time, what they would do when they would get married, you know, a, a guy would would get married to his wife. He would build on an apartment to his father's house. So you're, this is not a, a culture where, you know, going out and pulling yourself up by your boots and doing that, that's not really something that you did very often. You, you know, you inherited your father's business like, like Jesus. His father was a carpenter, and so everyone expects he's the son of a carpenter. What that basically means is everyone expects him to be a carpenter too. Um, so when, he, when it says to leave your father's house, that's a big deal. That's not a small matter to leave everything that he knew. And I, I would venture to guess that based on Abram's, uh, you know, financial savviness that we see later on and, and how he was blessed with all those things, his, his father probably had some things too. He probably would have inherited quite a business, qu- quite a home, all those different things. To leave that was a big deal to him. But he was called by God to give up everything, even his certainty. Where did, in verse number one, where did God call Abram to go? Unto a land that I will show thee. Will is, makes it, will show is future tense. As in, I'm not going to tell you right now, but at some, some moment to be disclosed in the future, I will reveal that. But I'm not going to tell you right now. Abram didn't have any, even any certainty about where he was going. I, heard, I was listening to a message on this passage, on the, kind of on this topic too, um, this week. And uh, the, the preacher's name is Tim Keller. I really like him. I don't endorse everything he says and does, but I like Tim Keller. And um, he was saying that when he's talking about this in particular, he was saying that in dealing with, and he's, he's dealt with a lot of people, his church was, a little, was large. He said, in dealing with people and, and trying to get people to trust Christ and telling them about the gospel and, and, and telling them that they need Jesus, he, he would talk to them, and a lot of times he, they would get to a point where the person he's talking to would say something like, well, what am I going to have to do if I trust Jesus? Like, what is it going to cost me personally? Am I going, he said, I don't know, a lot of times, am I going to have to move out of, the, you know, am I, is my girlfriend going to have to move out or my boyfriend going to have to move out? Or am I going to have to do this? Am I going to have to give up this lifestyle that I have? Am I going to have to live less than I have been? You know, if I become a Christian and asking all these questions, am I going to have to do all these things? And what he learned is when people ask you those questions, what they're doing is they want a checklist they, they're not, they, this is not answering the call of God. Now, I, I do understand there's a concept of, of counting the cost. And, un, and, ca- and in counting the cost, we should understand it's everything, right? The cost is everything. And when you try to figure out and you try to do the ones and zeros and try to figure out what, 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 what am I going to have to give up if, if I give in to Jesus, that's not answering the call. If we in our lives are concerned about, well, am I going to have to give up this? Am I, am I going to have to live this way? Am I going to have to stop being with these? That's not what it's about. God, God says, trust me. I am the object. I, I am what I am. What I am. I'm not, God's not offering us a bunch, you know, salary and then benefits. It's, it's not an, a, nego- a hiring negotiation. That's not what this is about. What this is about is God says, I'm going to give you myself if you give me everything. We need to count that cost and decide. Not, well, am I going to have to, am I going to have to give up this habit? Am I going to have to give up? No. That's not the call of God. The call of God is all or nothing. God says, I give you myself if you will give everything to me. thing about a call is that you never really come back from a calling. Like we think about journeys, like stories of journeys, um, like, you know, The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien and, and stuff like that, and 
you know, fairy tales. There's a journey. And there's ascension in which the Christian life is a journey. And I know we got all sorts of, you know, little, you know, things that we put on our wall about, or, me, or you know, things on Facebook or, you know, on our physical wall or whatever. We say, you know, the Christian life is a journey about, you know, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. All that stuff, okay, that's fine. But, but what I mean is you got, you got a journey where you go somewhere and you come back and, you know, oh, that was cool, that was fun, that was kind of, you know, that was pretty cool. But then there's a calling. As in, I'm going somewhere, I, I have been called to do this, and I will never be the same again. And that's the kind of calling that God has for Christians. This is something that is going to fundamentally, foundationally change your life, Abram. That's what, that's what God says to him. You're going to leave your father's house, your kindred, your family, not just your father, but your family. You're going to leave your country, your nation. You're going to leave everything behind, and you're going to go to some place. And as believers, we need to be willing to live that same life of faith. I'm going to leave everything, but no matter what it costs, I am going to follow Jesus. When we ask, how will this make my life better? That's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. You, the answer kind of is you get God, but... It depends on what you mean by better. Your life might not get better. It might get worse, in a sense. You know what I mean? The call of God is a call to worship, and that's giving God absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. So first of all, it's a, it's a call to transformation. Secondly, call to worship. Thirdly, a, a, the call is to individuals. Call to individuals. In verse number one, now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out. And, you know, when we read it, it's kind of like, oh, that sounds kind of like a little bit awkward. You know, Bible, uh, did he, I, he's just trying to say go somewhere. He wasn't just trying, he, it, it literally means get yourself out of there. Like get yourself out. You get your. it's very emphatic. Get yourself out. He's saying it, you, no one's going to do it for you. You know, earlier, in, in, just to get some context, and, and um, verse number 31, And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his, son's, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. So in the verse it says they, they went to go to Canaan. And a lot of, I'm not 100% sure, but a lot of people say, and I, I think it's accurate, but a lot of people say that um, Terah, Abram's father, also received the call to go somewhere. As in, the call had already been given. This was God's line that he had chosen to use. He'd already called them to go into the promised land, but they stopped. It says, they went to go into the land of Canaan, and they came into Haran and dwelt there. So they stopped. And Abram could have said, well, you know, we went partially. We, we kind of went. And the, the thing is, you, you called all of us, and some of my family didn't want to go. Like, my dad, who is in charge of me, but, you know, he's the guy who's in charge. He didn't want to go, so, you know, it's not really on me. I'm just trying to do what my dad wants to do. But the call of God is to individuals. The call of God is to individuals. And I know that based on circumstances and where we're at in life, Sometimes we're limited individually based on our relationships to other people with how we can answer God's call. I understand that. But as much as we can, as an individual, we are required to answer the call. As in do what God has called us to do. To live a life that is different. To give God everything we have. To submit all that we are before him. That is the calling, and it's a call to you. It's not a call to your parents. So your parents, for, for teens and younger people, it's not a call to your parents, and then your parents make you do it. That's not the call of God. The call of God is to individuals. And, and for adults and, and people older, it's, it's not a call to you and your, your spouse or to you and, and your relatives or to you and, and this other group of people. It is a call to you specifically. It's a call to an individual. He says, get thee out. And to, to us, God says as well, 
Get thee out. It doesn't matter what your family does. It doesn't matter if you're if your, your spouse or your, your sibling or whoever you're involved, your friends, it doesn't matter if they want to honor God with the way they interact with you. It doesn't matter if they have a bad attitude, if they're angry at you. You can't change that, but you're called to be kind to them and tenderhearted. You're called to something different as a believer. It doesn't matter if, if others mistreat or others, you know, mistreat you, they treat you, they, they wrong you. You're not called to respond in that way. You're called to be different. You're called to reflect the gospel and the grace that Jesus has shown to you, not to, not to follow others. We're called to follow Jesus. It's not good enough to just be a part of a Christian culture. You know what I mean by that? It's, it's, not, it's not good enough to be a part of this ethereal group of, ind- of people. It's not, it's not enough to just identify with the Christians, so to speak. We're called to personally devote everything we have to Jesus. It's, it's not enough to say, well, you know, my, my family is, has always been Christian. My, you know, my, you know, I live in a Christian place. You know, I, I work at a Christian place or, or anything. You are personally called to something. And it's not enough to just say, well, I'm part of this Christian organization, or I'm part of this Christian group, or I'm part of this Christian culture. You must personally be devoted to Jesus with everything that you have. And we're going to hurry on. So it's, it's, a, it's a call to transformation, a call to worship, a call to individuals. Um, and lastly, it's a call to mission. To a mission. What does it mean when God says to Abram specifically, get thee out? What it means, what it meant for Abram, and what that means for us today, it's a call to be uncomfortable. It's a call to leave the familiar and the safe. It's 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 a call to leave that that bubble. That, that bubble of comfort, that bubble of familiarity, and to step out and do things that are not necessarily pleasant for us. That is the call of mission. As in, in our life, in our words, in our actions, in everything that we do and say, we are called to do things that don't feel good. And first of all, it's to live out the gospel, as in, when showing grace to other people like we've already talked about, you know, reflecting the grace that God has given to us. There is no greater testimony of the grace that God has given to you than giving grace to others who don't deserve it. There is no greater testimony of that. And that is uncomfortable. But that is our mission, living out the gospel. Giving grace to people who, that's what the gospel is. We didn't deserve God's grace. And when, you know, none of us deserve any, anything good, really. Whether it's the specific or the common, we don't deserve any grace from God at all. But God has given it to us. And it is not up to us to go around to decide who should be forgiven and who should not be forgiven. God has already decided that all can be forgiven. And will be if they'll trust him. And it's, we, it, the, the invitation is already up. We can't do anything to close it. We, you know, it's really awkward when you know somebody, and I have a certain friend. He's not here, and he'll probably never re- listen to this sermon because he doesn't love me that much. But th- his name is David, and David, his name is David Albia. It's just that name fits him so well, David Albia. David is the king of inviting people who you do not want coming. You know, you, you plan this thing and whatever, and especially now it's, it's even more magnified to me because when I go home and I'm with all my friends and my family, you know, like it's like I don't want to have this only time, this, you know, I'm using time off work, I've flown or driven. I don't want to use this time that is so valuable with someone that is just going to ruin the party, you know what I mean? And you, ha- you have that one friend that's just like, oh, well, I already told that person about it, and so I felt kind of awkward not inviting them. So I decided not. I'm like, 
so what if their feelings are hurt? You're ruining the thing. You know what I mean? You, why are you, why? why? <laughs> you, you, and once they're invited, you can't be like, oh, well, David didn't clear it with the whole group, so you, you, you got to stay home. <laughs> um, you just can't do that. And uh, God has, has opened the invitation of grace and mercy to all. I, I, firmly, I, I firmly believe that. And it's not up to us to decide, oh, that person's not invited anymore. That person doesn't deserve God's grace. Really, they don't, but God's chosen to give it to them anyway. So it doesn't matter what you think about their deserving of it. And this mission, not just of showing grace to others and living out the grace of the gospel, but also of um, speaking the gospel, proclaiming it. We could say preaching, but what I mean by preaching is just proclaiming it, talking, the, giving the gospel, speaking it out loud. That mission has always been a part of the plan. Um, the end of God's promises to Abram, I will, bless th- I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That has always, the, the, you know, the, the gospel going out to the nations, which it has, has always been a part of God's plan, and it will always be a part of God's plan, to give the, the gospel to the entire world. And God gave that calling to Abram. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you this grace that you don't deserve. I'm going to give it to you so that other people can receive it. And I want to make this statement tonight. Don't be a black hole of grace. And what I mean by that is recognizing and enjoying the grace that God has given to you and then keeping that for yourself and not letting it go where it was intended to go. We have been given the grace of God so that it can flow out of us to other people. God has given us grace that we might show grace to others and that we might live for others that they might hear the gospel and come to know Jesus. That's why we've been given this grace. And for me to, to, you know, to receive all this grace from God, all this amazing, you know, that song Amazing Grace, it's, you, you just can't understand God's grace. All this amazing grace. And then to just let it stop there. That's not accepting God's call. The, the call of God is to receive that blessing, but understand God's blessed me so I can bless other people. And that just affects so many areas of our lives. You know, financially, it, God blesses us so we can bless others, right? God gives us grace of forgiveness so we can forgive others. God God gives us grace and abilities to serve in the church, and we can bless others with that grace. God has given us the grace and the comfort and the peace that comes with the truth of the gospel. We've been given that truth so we can distribute that truth to the nations. And when I say the nations, I'm not just talking about, you know, Nicaragua and Mongolia. and That's true unto all the earth. That's true. But when I say the nations, I also mean the people at your job, your work, your, your, your co-workers, I mean your neighbors. I mean your, your, your buddies and your people that you know in the neighborhood. I, I mean every single individual, and specifically to you, every person in this room. What I mean are the individuals that God has put into your life that you can influence. Those are the nations, the people who God has given you grace so that they may be blessed. That's who it's talking about the people who you can influence with the gospel. Don't be a black hole of God's grace. So now that we've looked at some things about God's call, I, wanna, I just want to highlight some ways specifically w- what God's grace means to us, how it applies to us, what, what it means for, for us here and now in, in Milledgeville, Georgia, 2019. First of all, the grace and the mercy of the call. Abram didn't deserve to be called. I said earlier that, and it's true, Abram was kind of like, this is the last line of people that knew about Jehovah, of the people who, were, who, who knew, had the knowledge of God, 
and their requirement to worship the one true deity. That's, that's a family that Abram belonged to. But the thing about that is, is they started worshiping idols. They were worshiping the moon. They were, they were idolatrous. And so just Abram, even though he was a part of the last good line, so to speak, his family didn't deserve God's grace. God's call is a call of grace and mercy. There's the, the grace and mercy of God's call. I mean, look, look at the, the verbiage, what, what God actually says. Okay, so the, the requirement, get thee out of the country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. So, and then also he says, and thou shalt be a blessing. So go somewhere, leave everything, go somewhere and be a blessing. That's, that's what he says. And then look at what God says he will do. And I will make of thee a great nation and will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God says, this is the simple life that I've called you to, and if you live that life, I will do all of this. He just, uh, one commentator said, he heaps the I wills on. As in he calls Abram to this one thing, which we understand it from our, in our humanity, it's a lot. It's everything that we have. But he asks this one thing, and then he heaps on all this grace and mercy of what he will do for us. And it's the same thing. All the promises that God has given to us far outweigh everything that God has done for us in Jesus Christ and through the grace that he offers. Everything that he has done for us far outweighs what we give up for him. The blood of Jesus is far more valuable than the blood, sweat, and tears that God calls us to give to him. We enjoy so much grace and we give very little to God. And we don't deserve any of it. And that's the amazing thing. That we are given grace. Unmerited favor. And that's awesome. We can, we can rejoice in that. We, we can say, yeah, I'm, I'm like, like we've talked about already. Yeah, I messed up. But God's given me grace for that. Yeah, I, I failed up and I, or I failed and I, I responded to my, you know, my, my family, my relative in a way that I shouldn't have. Or, you know, I, I treated this person wrongly or I, I said that at work to my coworker and I shouldn't have said that. Or I looked, you know, I, I, I looked at that person and I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have looked that way. That was, that was wrong. I failed. We can, we can admit that. But then there's, there's infinite grace for that failure. There is infinite grace for that. And that's the grace and mercy that God's called us. That's a, that's a big responsibility. But also that's an awesome thing because we didn't deserve to be called. We were unworthy of God's calling. We were absolutely positive. There, there was nothing worthy in us for God to say, yeah, I want to use Will Baker to do this. I want to use him to reach people with the truth of my son. I wanted, there was nothing in me about that. There was nothing in me that said, I want to give him a life that's worth living. I didn't deserve that. And you didn't either. And we can rejoice that God has given that to us. First of all, it's, it's, a, it's the grace and mercy of the call. Secondly, the security of the call. And when I say security, um, I, I, I'm trying to think of a better word for it. But what, what I mean is like an emotional security, as in a sense of belongingness that God has given us this call. God has said, I want that person to be a part of my kingdom. I want to use them. I, I want them to be a part of my family. I want to adopt them, and I want them to serve me. And that's the sense of identity and belonging that we crave. We find this belongingness and this security, this emotional peace, we find that because God has chosen us. Thirdly, there's an awakening of the call. An awakening. And what, I'm, what I mean by that, um, the same guy, Tim Keller, he, he, I'm going to steal um, an illustration that he gave. But he was talking about, there was this movie uh, called Beckett, and it came out in 1964. Maybe someone's seen it. But um, it's about Henry II and someone in his, his, his kingdom, uh, someone, it was actually a clergyman named Thomas Becket. Henry, like a lot of 
kings and dictators and whatnot lived a debauched lifestyle. He was a wicked guy. He just basically, he, everything he wanted, he got for himself. And if he didn't, if he couldn't get it, he would kill someone to get it. You know what I mean? So he was living a debauched and wicked lifestyle. And um, he wanted someone in a position that would not call him out. He had a buddy named Thomas Beckett. He was a clergyman so he could fill this position. But um, Thomas Beckett was kind of like him. He didn't really care. He, did, he had no moral um, fiber. He, 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 didn't, he, he didn't care. He, he wasn't an ethical guy. He was all about that lifestyle too, about getting everything that you wanted and doing whatever it takes to get it, about satisfying every, every desire of the flesh. That was Thomas Beckett as well. So Henry's like, okay, I'm going to promote him into this position. Then I'm not going to have to hear anything about how I fail. So he promotes Thomas Beckett. But when Thomas Beckett was, was given this position of authority, I believe it was the, the, uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury. I think that's what it was. Um, when he promotes Thomas Beckett, Thomas Beckett understood how serious the role was that he had been given. He understood that he had been given a responsibility. He had been given a calling. And this calling caused him to change. As in now he's like, well, now that I have this role in this position, I need to do it and I need to do it well. And he realized that part of that calling was to not just do whatever you want to do and not give a care about what's right and what's wrong. He said, I've got, I've got to, you know, have some morality in my life. I've got, to, I've got to stand up for what's right. His calling, and eventually he was killed. So Henry II had him killed because, and, and in the movie, uh, the, the movie Beckett that came out in 1964, he said his dying words were like, poor Henry. And then he was, he was saying, this guy doesn't get it, that there's more to life than just getting everything that you want. And his, but his calling had caused him to realize what was important in life. It had given him some priorities. And as believers, our calling and the seriousness of it should, should give us some sobriety, some seriousness about life, understanding what's important and what's not. And as a believer, we are called to follow Jesus. We are called to be saints. We are called to live differently and to not be black holes of grace. And that call should awaken us. Last but not least, we have the hope of the call. The hope of the call. When God says, I will make of thee a great nation, in that moment, Abram immediately understood one thing, that that would take a miracle. His wife was barren, which, excuse me, back in this time was utter hopelessness in this culture. I mean, even today, it's really important. To, you know, you want to have children. You, you want to you have a legacy of children. But even more so back in this day, you wanted to have a legacy. That was, that was what you produced. That, that was the mark of your life was your children. And Abram and his wife Sarai, because Sarai was barren, they lived in hopelessness. And this, this barrenness of Sarai is a, is a metaphor or a picture of the, the barrenness or the hopelessness of life without Jesus. The calling gives us hope. The calling tells us that there is something coming. It's, it's not here yet, but it will be. And when Abram heard those words, he understood that God was saying that he would have a son. He didn't know how, he didn't know when, he didn't know anything. But God was saying, you will have a son. And to us, God gives us hope as well. We have the same hope in, in a son, Jesus Christ. We don't know how things will make sense. This life, a lot of the times, does not make sense. The, the trials, the challenges that we face, they don't make a lot of sense. And the things that we miss out on, we're like, how, how are we ever going to get the joy back that we would have had from that? I missed out on that. How, how am I going to get the joy from that? God promises that we will have everlasting joy, that we will 
know true and ultimate joy in Jesus Christ. And we can know that right now if we'll choose to have the hope that God has given us in this calling. God didn't give Abram a lot of specifics, right? And we see that in Hebrews. The Bible's very clear, very emphatic about how he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how he was going to have, he didn't know what in the world was going on, but he knew that God had called him. And so he chose little by little, and that shouldn't be our aspiration, right? Our aspiration should be total and utter devotion. But in, in re, being a real individual, little by little, Abram chose to follow Jesus, to follow God, to get himself out as God had called. And I hope tonight that you will accept the calling that God, if you're a child of God, you will accept the calling that God has given you tonight and understand that the call of God is trans, transformative. It's a call to worship. It's a call to individuals. It's a call to a mission. And then enjoy the grace and mercy of the call. The security that God gives us in knowing that we belong. The awakening of the call. And also the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the calling that we do not deserve. The grace, mercy, the hope that you've given to us. God, I'm, I'm not worthy to be speaking before these people, to be proclaiming your word. God, we're not worthy to proclaim the grace that Jesus has given us. We're not, we're, we're not worthy to be ambassadors for Jesus. But God, you've chosen in your love and your mercy and your grace to make us those things, to give us what we did not earn for ourselves, but what Jesus died on the cross to give us. And God, I pray that we would live out this calling, that we would understand we have been called out to something. And that would be the story of our lives. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.